Well, hello, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the Remnant Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Larry Raglan, and I am excited and honored that you have chosen to listen to this podcast. As we remind you each and every time you come on this podcast, it would help us tremendously if you decide to follow this podcast and give us a five-star rating. Whatever app that you are using, uh, whether it be iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, or whatever, pod, Google Podcasts, whatever it is, find the place where you can give us a rating, give us a five-star rating, and it's very, very important that you also write a review as well. When more and more we're learning, we're more we're realizing that the written reviews and the five-star reviews, it's, it's great to give us five stars, but if you don't write us a review of how you enjoyed the podcast, the algorithm does not put it up in front of new people quite often as much. So it's very, very uh, important and a huge blessing to us if you will do that. And, of course, invite people to listen to this podcast by sharing, copying uh, the link to this podcast and sharing it with friends and family, coworkers, whatever it can be. Uh, if you see somebody that is a remnant, part of the remnant, desiring to be a part of the remnant, a leader, whether it be in the church or in uh, the regular day life, the marketplace, the secular uh, occupation that you work, a coworker, somebody that uh, you just feel like needs to be lifted up. That's what this podcast is about. It's about re- uh, equipping the leaders of today that are a part of the remnant, that are still believing in holiness, that are still believing in the word of God, want to make a difference in this world. Let's get into this teaching today. Today I want to talk about waking up the mighty men of God and women of God. Waking up the soldiers of God, waking up uh, those that have been asleep, that have been gifted with great talent, that's been gifted with a great mandate. Many of them are asleep at the wheel. We need to wake some people up. We need to wake up the mighty men. We need to wake up the generals of the faith, wake up the soldiers of God. Uh, But so let's get into this today. You know, the generals, when you talk about somebody that's a general in the faith, and I want to make sure that I clarify myself right off the top. I'm not talking about a group of elite people uh, that are better than anybody else. I'm talking, I'm not talking about someone who is the prima donna, if you would say that uh, in the leadership world, in your church, you know, we have a culture that has quite frankly is sickening to God that we have created um, kings and queens within the house of God that are so elite, they're untouchable. They don't smell like the sheep. Um, you know, they're just, they've got their own entourage. They can't wipe their own sweat. Oh, come on. I could, I could really get started on this. It just disgusts me how, uh, people have made themselves out to be little gods in the eyes of people. Now I'm all about honor. I believe there is a reward for honor. I believe that we should honor our pastors. We should highly respect those that are in uh, fivefold ministry gifts in our lives, and we should honor them. Um, We should not just consider them to be uh, just old Larry or whoever your your pastor, your leader, your spiritual father, whatever their name is, and spiritual mother. We should respect them. We should see them as someone that God has set in our lives to cover us. But when we get off into celebrityism uh, and we get off into eliteism, uh, I think we've we've missed 
the whole plan of God uh, in the body of Christ. But there are generals in the faith because if we, if we believe we're in a spiritual warfare, then we believe that there this is a military action that we're in. Meaning that, you know, a brand new believer that just got saved last Sunday is is not in a realm of influence, uh, what we would call in military words, a captain, a general, and all that. And I'm not talking about creating, hey, this guy in our church is a captain, this guy's a sergeant, this guy's a, a corporal, this guy's a, a general. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about that there are levels of leadership that come with longevity, that come with faithfulness, that come with... Um, you know, years of studying, there are gifts that are impact, imparted into the body of Christ by the laying on of hands, uh, just by consistency and uh, by the authority and the anointing and the glory that re- resides upon them. So I, I know that there are some that, uh, and you may not like this, you may not agree with this term, but I would consider them to be generals of the faith. You know, I think about Billy Graham. I mean, how can Billy Graham uh, not be a general of the faith? Now, Billy Graham, if you know, if you follow his ministry, he never considered himself to be greater than anyone else. He was just a man preaching the gospel. But his faithfulness, I mean, if you sat in a room, of course, he's he's gone on to be with the Lord right now. But can you imagine sitting in a room with Billy Graham and being able to pick his brain about harvest, pick his brain about, um, you know, the ability to communicate the gospel in, in a simple form? Uh, I don't think you would sit in the room with Billy Graham and just as a believer, just think you're just sitting in the room with just, you know, just your average Christian, even though he's just a human being, just like you and I, we would believe that, you know, we're in the presence of greatness here. We're in the presence of, of truly a world changer, uh, a general, if you will. Um, now I don't know how you feel about other people like Oral Roberts. I, I consider Oral Roberts to be a huge general. Uh, he's gone on to be with the Lord as well. I mean, this man paved the way for the healing movement and many other things that happened. That was, he was a great evangelist himself um, impart- and, and gave impartation of, of new revelation into the word of God. So if I sit in the room with old Roberts, I mean, I would just be like, my, I'm sitting in the room with a general. I respect him. Uh, we think about, <clears throat> you know, one of my spiritual fathers in my life, Dr. Rod Parsley, uh, just, so thankful that I'm a part of his ministry and uh, part of his covering. Uh, he's a general of the faith. I mean, this man is uh, a booming voice in the body of Christ. Changed my life back in 1991. Sermon repairs of the breach. Every time I sit in the room with Dr. Rod Parsley, my God, I'm like a sponge. I'm just, I don't want to say anything. I just want to listen. I just want to watch. I want to observe. Not because I make him out to be better than anyone else, but I understand this man has longevity. This man has impacted the world. My bishop, spiritual father, Bishop Clint Brown, um, same thing. I'm in the room with him. I'm just always gleaning from him. So I could go on and on and on listening to people. Uh, But these are generals of the faith. Uh, But, you know, most of those generals of faith started out from Poor environments, extreme. Some of them extreme sickness re- received healing of death death sentences over their life. Very little education. You know, you, you the generals of the faith are not necessarily uh, groomed and developed like the generals in the secular world. Some are, some some are not. Most come from very humble beginnings, but through a life of faithfulness, um, 
you know, I would consider them to be a general of, of the faith. And so what makes a general? What makes a general of the faith in, in, in the remnant? A remnant general. What, you know, he's, first of all, a general is going to be a man of determination. Here's the thing about a general. A general doesn't quit. You know, you might have someone lower in the military that just, you know, I, I don't have, the, I don't have the, the skills for this. I don't have the physical makeup for this. And they want to just quit or lay down. But a general didn't become a general if he was a quitter. I mean, he's been in battles. He's been in uh, tough situations, but he found a way to push through. So, you know, it's time to wake up some people. We need we need some generals to rise up that are not quitters. Got too many people quitting the church. I mean, think about how many people has walked away from the church, how many people has walked away from serving God, uh, you know, from all that we went through in the pandemic and so forth. I mean, it's just really revealed many of the ones that we thought were generals were not generals because they quit. They shut the doors. Uh, they rolled up shop you know, and just walked away. I'm not judging him, but, you know, generals don't quit. Uh, a remnant general especially doesn't quit. He realizes the moment. He He's able to identify the moment that he's in. You need to be around a man or a woman of God. You need a pastor uh, that is that is on general level, uh, that, that you've seen longevity from, that you've watched them face adversity and not quit. You know, what else about a general? A general is a man of honor. Uh, you know, he understands honor. He doesn't just receive honor. He understands how to give honor. Uh, he or she uh, receives great honor from others, but they also uh, honor downward. Honor is not just an upward thing. Honor is also a downward thing. It's, it's a two-directional thing. So you want to be around a general that is, deserves to be honored, but also is consistently honoring those that have helped make him and put him in the position of influence that he has. You know, a true general uh, understands that he he only achieves the honor of, of a general, of, of, a, of a high influence person because he's lived a life of honor. You know, you don't honor somebody just because of a title. You honor them because you see the faithfulness of their life and you follow that faithfulness. A general is going to be a man who follows the vision, follows the plan. He understands the plan. He's received the master plan. He's received the battle plan. You know, a general is someone who understands obedience. You know, a general doesn't become a general in a military setting if he's made a life of disobeying orders. You know, no one's going to be promoted to uh, any level of influence if they have a pattern of disobeying orders. Now, I'm not talking about necessarily disobeying orders of man, although sometimes we just need to submit ourselves and, and do that. But, you know, I'm talking about the command of God, the vision. You know, without a vision, the people perish. That word vision means a prophetic voice. So a general is getting a download from God. I believe that today the church is in a mess because we, quite frankly, can't take instruction from those who are over us, you know. So we need, we first of all, if we, when we find someone who is in a great level of influence, general level, whatever you want to call it, I want to call it great level of influence uh, over not just you but others, you got to have a teachable spirit and be willing to submit yourself to that general. So what good is it to wake up the mighty men of God? What, what good is it to wake up the generals of the faith to remind them that you know they still have a destiny and purpose if we're not willing to submit ourselves to the, to the battle plan? Of course, that means a general uh, is also a man of war. He understands. He's been battle-tested on many levels. You know, you don't need to be following somebody that ain't never been battle-tested. 
if you want to grow in the army of the Lord, if you want to, to, for God to use you as a remnant leader, that's why you listen to this podcast, is you need to find somebody that's been in the battle. Now, now listen to me. I, I say this humbly, but I've been in ministry for well over 30 years. I've been pastoring the same church 29 years, almost 30 years, same church that we planted. I'm not tooting my own horn, but the reality is this. I've been through a lot of stuff. I mean, we've, we've had to fight to stay alive uh, on many occasions, and we fought some devils face-to-face uh, over the years. So, you know, I feel like that, you know, we've got a life of faithfulness, and we have a life of influence. That's why we're on this podcast right now, because I understand at this age of my life and in my fit, mid-50s, um, I got still got a long time of ministry left in me, a lot of life left in me, the Lord's willing. And uh, But I'm also at the level that I understand that, you know, I've not just been called to pastor Solid Rock Church. I've been called to pour into your life. I've been called to to pour into the army of God and um, and to equip other soldiers to rise up and, uh, and to, to release and empower uh, others to rise up. So I'm by no means, you know, tooting my own horn here and considering myself to be a general, nothing like that. But, but I can tell you this, that if you're listening to this podcast, I feel like I've got some kind of influence in your life. So that's what I want to do is try to influence you to, to understand we're in a battle, we're in a war. And, you know, you want somebody who's got the game plan. You know, you don't, you know, listen, there's nothing wrong. You need to build relationships with fellow privates and uh, fellow, um, you know, captains or, or Whatever level of authority that you're in, uh, yeah, you need peers, uh, and you need to fellowship with people that may not even be at your level. But you should always be seeking out uh, the level of of influence that's above you to pour into you. Submit to that vision. Find you somebody that's got the battle plan. You may have a portion of the battle plan, but you you probably don't have the whole battle plan. You need somebody that's got a greater understanding of the battle plan. You know, a general truly does understand that he's nothing without his soldiers. What good is a general without an army? Yes, like a leader without followers. You know, if you if you think you're a leader and nobody's following you, you're just taking a walk. No, a leader is an influencer. And a general is a general that has influence over an army of people of different skills, different levels, but they're all in it for one thing, and that is to win the battle. The win the battle. You know, one of the greatest and most well-known uh, generals of the faith was the king of Israel, David. He came from humble beginnings. Think about it. You know, he, he was not only a lowly shepherd, but he was looked over even by his own father. When the prophet came, he was looked over by the prophet himself. But, you know, the Bible says, you know, Samuel came into to David's father's house and started praying for all, started standing before each and every one of his sons, starting with the oldest all the way down. And he said, I, I don't get it. God, I know God told me to come to this house and bless the next king of Israel, but I don't feel it in my spirit that it's any of these. And his father said, well, you know what? I didn't bring him in, but there's one other, there's old ruddy boy out there that, you know, he's just always a loner. Just won't spend more time with the sheep than he does anybody else. But his name's David. He's out there. Samuel says, call him in. So he came in, and when he came in, the spirit of the prophet just lit up, and he realized, he heard the voice of the Lord, uh, this is the man after God's own heart. And he poured the oil from the horn upon his head and anointed him the king of Israel. But a true general understands he's nothing without the sheep. 
Uh, so he says, okay, thank you so much. I, I need to get back to the sheet. So he goes back out there. See, every kingdom general, every kingdom influencer is a man after God's own heart, a woman after God's own heart. If, if the one that's covering you is not after God's own heart, which is people, find you another general, find you another person to cover you. You need the covering of a general. We need to wake up the mighty men of God. We need to wake up the generals. We need to wake up every level of authority in the house of God. If we've ever needed people to know who they are in God, it's now. So see, David, David got a, he he had the clue. What does it mean? He's a man after God's own heart. He got it. He got it. He understood that he was a great shepherd, but he could not be a great king by himself. He understood that, number one, he needed God, but number two, he needed people. He knew he needed the sheep. That time out there with just him and the sheep ultimately taught him what a king would be one day. Now, he made mistakes. He made horrendous mistakes. The power of the kingdom went to his head at times. When it was all said and done, he he cried out, you know, create in me a a clean heart, O God, renew a right spirit within me. What was that right spirit within him? when he realized all the mistakes that he had made, the horrible mistakes that he had made, uh, was that he had lost sight of what a general looks like, or what a general is, uh, what made him a general, what made him a king. You know, what good is a king to sit on the throne when there's no one to, to rule over? It's all about the sheep. It's all about influence simply means if you're an influencer, if you're a general in the faith, if you're a five-fold ministry gift, what does that mean? That just simply means that God has put people in your life to equip, to pour into, to empower, uh, to lead. You know, when David was running for his life from Saul, you know, he started building relationships with sheep. He started building relationships. He knew who he was in God, but he also honored. He honored. You know, he never he never spoke anything evil against Saul, even though Saul was trying to kill him. You know, there's one time in Scripture it just blows my mind that um, – you know, Saul was you know, made it very clear to David that he was going to kill him because he's so jealous of him. And um, so so David's in a cave, and, and King Saul comes in there, quite frankly, to relieve himself. And he's standing there relieving himself, and, and he don't even realize that David's standing right behind him. And David gets so close that he takes his sword and cuts off a piece of his garment. And then, you know, later on in that day, you know, Saul gets through and leaves the cave, and and uh, goes back down at the, the bottom of the mountain, still searching for David, has no idea where David is. And David yells from him from the mountaintop and, and just reveals to him, hey, quit trying to kill. Why do you want to kill me? Why do you want to kill me? And, uh, you know, Saul was saying, stuff. Well, well, you know what? You'd kill me if you had a chance. He goes, let me tell you something. I've had a chance. Let me show how close I was to you. And he shows him that piece of garment that he cut. He said, if I wanted to kill you, I could kill you. You know, it was David that said, um, touch not my anointed, neither do my prophets any harm. When people ask him, said, why? Why would you not turn on Saul? And look, I love it. I'm paraphrasing, but this is what David said. David said, who am I? Who am I to judge Saul? Who am I to not even know and believe that one day he could change his heart? And if I try to kill him now and he changes his heart, I'll be, I'll be judged for touching God's anointed. He understood the power of influence. He understood the power of of being a general. If he was going to be a general of faith, a mighty man of God, then then he needed to pray for those that was over him, even though they were making mistakes. But during that time, you know, the Bible talks about 
God brought a bunch of ragtag people to David. Let's listen to what the Bible tells us in second, um, excuse me, first Samuel chapter 22. First Samuel chapter 22, verse one says, now David, therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of, of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. They were drawn to this leader. Now watch this. And everyone, everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them. And there were about 400 men with him. Do you understand how powerful that is? Watch this. They knew that if they were they were in distress, they were in debt, they were discontented, but they needed someone to be captain. They needed someone to be captain over them, to lead them, captain the ship, lead them in the direction that was going to turn their life around. So when they started, you know, when you're in distress, when you're in debt, when you when you are in chaos, you know, if you want to really come out of debt, come out of distress, come out of chaos, you're not going to go try to find you somebody that's in debt, in distress, and in chaos to lead you and cover you. You're going to find somebody that's, that's come out of debt, that's come out of distress, that's come out of, of just horrible conditions and, and have been faithful. So they, so they gathered to David. They knew that he was, a, he was already, even though he didn't have the official title in the eyes of a lot of people, though he wasn't sitting on the throne, they already saw the greatness in him. They already saw the general of the faith, the captain. And the Bible said he became captain over them. You need, when you are truly a general of the faith, when you are truly a mighty man of God, you can take a ragtag group of rejects and turn them in to mighty men of God. The Bible talks about waking up the mighty men of God. Where are the mighty men of God? David saw greatness in these ragtag men in this group that was in debt, that was in distress, that was in chaos. Maybe you're Maybe you're in debt. Maybe you're in stress. Maybe your your life is chaotic, and there's no there's nothing great you see in yourself. You you've looked in the mirror. You've you internally evaluated yourself, and you don't see anything but failure. That's the power of a general in your life. That's when I call the when I use the word general. Please, I'm, I'm I'm talking about the apostolic. I'm talking about the one that's flowing in the fivefold ministry gifts. They can see things in you that you can't see in you. My God, that's why we need to wake them up. Because many of them have just, they're battle weary. They're tired. Some of them are sitting up under the, the quote unquote uh, proverbial spiritual tree, just propped up under in the shade, thinking that their life is over, thinking that their time of influence is over. Find you somebody that's been faithful. They may be tired and weary in the spirit. They may be tired and weary in the actual flesh and natural. But as long as we have them here with us, we need to glean from them. We need to spend time with them because in any moment we could, they could be gone from our lives. But there's much to, to be gained. There's much to be taught just from simply being around people who have been faithful, just simply about being around people who have stayed when others have left. So when you get around those kind of people, when you get around those kind of apostolic fivefold ministry gifts, people that operate in the spirit of greatness and operate in the spirit of a life of faithfulness. Remember what he said? He said, if you'll be faithful over a few things, I'll make you ruler. I'll give you influence over much. 
So so remember when these when these ragtag uh, guys came to him, about four hundred of them. They were in debt. They were in chaos. Their lives were in distress. But watch what happens. All of a sudden, at some point, just being around a general, just being around an, uh, the apostolic, being around an equipper, a fivefold ministry gift, pulling greatness out of you. These ragtag people who are known as to be people of debt, people of distress, not having any kind of future, literally becomes uh, a group of, of men that the Bible calls the mighty men of David from this same ragtag group. Let me just tell you about a few of them. Uh, one is named Josh, uh, Joshua uh, Bath I can't say some of these Bible names. I'll rename them a lot of times just Bubba and Johnny and Jimmy. But this is Joseph Bashebeth. Yes. Second Samuel 23, 8 said, these are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Watch out. Do you see how things have changed? They've gone from in debt, in distress, in chaos, to now mighty men. And uh, Joshua Bashebeth was a Tekamite. And he was chief among the captains. Now watch this. He was called Adino the Esnite also because he had killed 800 men at one time. This is one man. One man at one time, meaning in one battle, he was legendary. He killed 800 men in one battle himself. He didn't lead an army of people that did that. He did that himself himself. You know, he his he was nicknamed basically. You know, we know his name is Joshua, and I'm still having trouble saying it. Uh Joshub or Joshub uh Basibeth, uh, but he's nicknamed Adino the Isnite. Why is that why was he nicknamed that? Because that means sharp spear. He went from a man of debt, he went from a man of distress and chaos in no future, to now being nicknamed a man with a sharp spear. Come on. He, was, he, he led the armies of one of the greatest men to ever live, and he was one. He only has one scripture memorializing his life and service. I mean, he literally led the mighty men of God. He gets one scripture memorializing his life. He killed 800 men in one battle by himself. That's pretty awesome, though, uh, that God took the time to tell us about how they transformed, how, how a general, when you're around a general, when you are around, when the when the general is speaking in your life, when the apostolic father is speaking in your life, he can pull things out of you. They not only pull you out of debt, pull you out of chaos, but pull greatness out of you. You know, to where you you be you was known as a man of debt, and now you're known as a sharp spear. My God, uh, you know the Bible says he was a tachamite and uh, tachmanite. And uh, in, in Hebrew, that means one who possesses insight and practical wisdom. See, every great leader can take a, can, to make a huge impact on their world if they also, behind the scenes, uh, many times are behind the scenes, unnoticed heroes of faith and of the vision. A leader with powerful wisdom will produce incredible victories. You need to surround yourself with people who have incredible wisdom uh, because they'll duplicate themselves. David had the wisdom, and it was duplicated in the life of Adino Isnite, one of the mighty men of God.
Here's another one. Uh, Second uh, Samuel chapter twenty three verses nine and ten. These are these are part of the mighty men. I love this one. And after him was Eleazar the son of Dodo. <laughs> I always laugh when I see that Dodo, uh, the Ahadite, one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the army, the the Philistine army, who were gathered there for battle, and the men of Israel had retreated. Listen to what it says about Eleazar. He arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day and the people returned to him, uh, returned after him only to plunder. You know, here's the thing. You know, we we, we laugh and chuckle a little bit when we hear uh, Dodo, but Dodo actually doesn't mean what we would use it in our culture when we'd use that as a derogatory term. The word dodo there means his beloved. You know, so so we, we understand that he was loved by God, but he was also loved by David. Um, now watch this. The Bible says he was so faithful. Now here's faithfulness. Here's staying power, staying in the battle, even when you're hurting, staying in the battle. Mighty men stay in the battle even when they're hurting. He fought for so long, the Bible says, that his hand stuck in the same position and had to be pried out. Pride open after the battle. Have you ever done that? Have you ever you ever held a, a weed eater or something uh, for so long? You've worked outside so long that you know it's fine. You finally finish, but you've been doing it for hours and hours and hours, and and you find your hell, your hand almost stuck in the same position, and and it's like because you've just worked through to the point that your that your muscles in your hand have just said you know. We we just we're gonna lock here because we can't we can't open up. We've we're exhausted. So sometimes you just gotta just slowly open your hands or maybe even pry your hands open. That's what was happening. He had bought he had fought for so long that his hands were were stuck in the shape of of a hand gripping a sword. When the when the battle was finally over, you know, he couldn't even drop the sword because his hand would not release and he'd be pried open. That's a faithful man. That's a mighty man of God. When you're under a general, when you're under, when you're when you're supporting that vision, when you have fully bought in to that vision, uh, you can you can see the mighty greatness coming out of you. And the last one was my all-time favorite. I mean, I talk about him all the time in our ministry. It's found in Second Samuel chapter twenty-three, verses eleven through twelve. This is one of the men that came to David, that came to the general, broke in debt distressed, chaos, with nothing. The Bible says in verse 11 and 12, 2 Samuel 23, and after him was Shammah, the son of Aji the Hararite. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. That's peas, like peas, sweet peas, but they're not, they're not like sweet peas. They are called lentils, but, but they're sort of a, a pea patch. So the people fled from the Philistines. So he stationed himself in the middle. So what, what that means is he had a lot of people in the camp with him that was helping him work the fields of the, of the lentils. But when the, but when the Philistines came, the people ran, left Shammah by himself. But when you've been under a general, when you have been submitting yourself to a general of the faith, he'll pull greatness out of you. He'll bring you out of debt. He'll bring you out of chaos. You know, 
you know, make you a shaman. Watch what happens. So the people fled from Israel, and he, but he, but he stationed himself in the middle of the field, and defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought a great victory. You know, as I said, Shaman is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. He's one of the what is known as the Mighty Three, but his claim to fame was not necessarily in a in a legendary battle. It was simply by defending his pea patch. See, when everybody else fled, Shama stood his ground and defended his peace. Something got into him from David. Longevity, faithfulness. When it's all said and done, you can win the battle in the field, in, in the field of actual military warfare and battle. But if you're not willing to fight for your own family, if you're not willing to fight for your own provision, is there anything really great about that? Is there anything, yeah, you know, maybe you were known great in the world, but how are you known at home? Think about this. They came expecting to plunder it. They did not think that one man would stand in the middle of it. And when he came and they started, you know, intimidating him, I can almost see it now. Hey, old man, who do you think you are? The Bible says, he says, my name is Shama. Shama. You need to learn that word Shama. Because here's one of the great things about the word Shama. Shama is one of the compound, compound names of Jehovah God. You've heard of Jehovah Jireh. Well, here's, here's one of his compound names, Jehovah Shama. Shama means the Lord is present. When Shama told them his name, he began to proclaim. They had heard that before. They had, they had heard the children of Israel declaring that their God was Jehovah Shammah, that he was present. And they, were, they feared this God. And, but the, but they, didn't, they didn't think, well, this is just an old man in a pea patch. We, we ain't talking about no general here. You know, we ain't talking about David. We're talking about an old man standing in the middle of a pea patch. This is going to be easy. But when he put that rod in the ground, stuck that rod in the ground. That old man said, let me tell you something. My name is Shama in the spirit realm. They didn't hear his name. They heard the Lord is present and they ran and Shama was able to defend the pea patch. Let me tell you something. I love this. I love this because this is a topic that needs to be covered. Generals love their soldiers and they spend their time when they get to general level not going out necessarily and always fighting the battle themselves, but equipping the next generation to fight the battles. If there's ever been a need, there's ever been a time that we need generals to rise up in our life, to pull greatness out of us. It's now. Have you positioned yourself under the authority of a man of God? that is anointed by God, that is appointed by God, that is a remnant in this moment. You don't just need a preacher in your life. You need a fivefold ministry gift that has been faithful. Find you somebody. Get up under, get in their shadow. Soak it up like a sponge. Who knows? God might put you in the middle of a pea patch. Who knows, God might put a sword in your hand and say, go fight the battle. And you'll fight it so strong and so well that they'll have to pry the, the sword from your hand. Who knows, in one day you may slay 800 demons in one day. 
But the bottom line is this. You've been called to greatness. But you can't achieve greatness if you're not surrounding yourself with greatness. Whatever level you're at in your walk with God, find you someone that's a little bit above you. It's been doing it a little bit longer than you. And let that general speak into your life. Wake up, mighty men of God. Wake up, generals. Wake up. The remnant is rising. I'll see you next time on the Remnant Leadership Podcast.